I'm Paul Wiegraf, Director of the Delaware Division of the Arts and your host for today. Joining me in the studio today is the President of the Board of Coro Allegro, Becky Hamilton. Welcome, Becky. Hi, thank you. It's great to be here. So glad to have you here. Uh, Coro Allegro has a has a great history here in the Wilmington, northern Delaware area, a, a sort of a, a unique choral group. Let's go back to the roots. What got Coro Allegro started? Absolutely. So Coro Allegro is actually in our 33rd season right now. And so when we first started out, it was actually as a part of the Delaware Festival Chorus. It started out as just eight singers who wanted to pr- pursue some additional opportunities. And so they formed under the leadership of David Christopher, And then very soon, they ended up organizing as the Delaware Chamber Choir, and that was under the leadership of Jack Burnham. And that's kind of where it got started. A few years in, they decided that there were a lot of organizations out there with the name Delaware in the name of the group, and that's when we changed our name to Coro Allegro. And then Jack Burnham really led the group for, I believe it was 27 years. Mm -hmm. And so really, this was his choir for a very long time. And then... That's about where we started out. Now, Coralegro, uh, let's talk about the, it started with eight singers. It's a larger group now. How large is the group now? How are the singers recruited? And what is the range, uh, what does Coralegro look for in its singers? Sure. So, um, so originally the group was eight, and then it went to a group of between 18 and 22 voices in general. Now we sit somewhere around 26 to 28 voices usually. And singers are recruited a variety of ways. You find we advertise online on Facebook. We publicize it to universities that auditions are coming up. And the big thing that we look for in singers is their musical tone. So we want people who are able to blend, who are able to really hear the other parts as they're happening and to be able to fit their own voice in with that. And obviously there's the expectation of the ability to read music and to participate meaningfully there. And we also ask for a fairly significant level of commitment to the group. And so when you join the group, you're expected to spend a lot of time learning your part outside of rehearsal. We provide a lot of resources for that. But then when you come to rehearsal, that's our time to actually focus in on making music and not necessarily just picking out our parts. Mm-hmm. Now, your singers, a, a range of both professional singers as well as, I, I guess, trained amateurs would be the best way to put it? That's exactly it. We have some singers who are paid professional singers, but in our group, they perform for free. We're a completely volunteer organization in the sense that while we have singers who are music teachers, who are professional singers, some of whom are paid to sing in other organizations, Within Coro Allegro, no one's paid to sing for us, and we all do it because this is what we love to do. Now, with a group of 24, 26 singers, what, what, kind of, what kind of turnover is there? Do you have slots open up frequently? I, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming you limit it to that size because of the nature of the works that you perform. Absolutely, and that is actually a change in the past few years. Coro Allegro previously had the set membership, and then it was as people left— then slots would open up and we would audition to mm-hmm. bring in new singers. Mm-hmm. And one change, and I'll get to this when we talk about how Coral Allegro has evolved over the years, but one change, we have a new director, and we actually hold auditions every year now. So every member of the chorus auditions every summer to basically claim their place back, mm. which is always difficult because we absolutely love all the people within the group and we become a very 
kind of tight-knit social organization on top of making beautiful music. But there's the expectation that you have to earn your spot back every year. Mm-hmm. And so we've had not significant turnover. So we have maybe two or three people each season who leave or are asked not to come back that we replace. And so mm-hmm. there's still a solid core group that stays together every year. Mm-hmm. But there's just a little bit of turnover in each section. So let, let's uh, go down that path that you, that you alluded to. Let's, let's start looking at sort of how the group has evolved over time. Yeah, so a few years back, Jack Burnham decided to retire. He'd been with the group for a very long time and decided that his time with the group was coming to an end. And so we went through a search process. And at the end of that, rather than stick with a same sort of director, and so we wanted something to take Coralegro in a different direction. And so previously, Coralegro had performed in churches to a set audience, and that was our primary focus. We sang in churches, we did outreach. And we decided we wanted to expand that vision to look how we could become more of a part of the community in Delaware and how we could look into secular spaces for performance. And that's when we actually brought in Jeff Dawkin, who is our conductor now. He started in 2015. And he definitely is not a part of the established music scene in Wilmington or in Delaware. He's actually the music director of the Symphony Orchestra of Northern Virginia. And he's also a conductor for Encore Creativity, which is an organization, a choral organization for adults 55 and over. And so we brought him for his vision for what Coro Allegro could do and how we could expand into the community. Mm-hmm. And so that's really, we had a pretty major shift in Coro Allegro at that time. Now, do I remember correctly that Coro Allegro between Jack Burnham and Jeffrey Dawkins, there was a transitional year where you had a couple different conductors that were kind of like finalists for consideration? There was. We had, um, it was David Lockhart and Jeff Manns were the two conductors in that interim. They'd both been assistants under Jack Burnham working with him. Mm -hmm. And so then in that year of the search process, it came down to, we had the two of them leading the chorus. And then we also brought in outside candidates. And I believe it got down to four final candidates it was the two of them and Jeff and then one woman whose name I don't remember. But and it really came down to which what direction did we want to go with Coro Allegro? Did we want to continue on the path that we had been on, performing absolutely beautiful music to a high level of quality and having that be the primary focus? Or did we want to expand and look at some of those opportunities and ways that we could really dig into our community a little bit more and help other people to see the opportunities of the arts. And mm-hmm. so that's why we ended up going with Jeff. Mm-hmm. Now, now going in this direction, how has that changed the dynamics of the group, the interaction of the members of the group, and the interaction with the, the broader community? As far as how it changed interactions within the group, I couldn't actually speak to that because I wasn't in the group prior, right, to, prior to that. I actually joined. Mm-hmm. So Jeff's first rehearsal was my first rehearsal. Okay. And, um, but I definitely see within the group, we all have that focus regularly now that we talk about what are the opportunities, where, what organizations are we involved with, are we passionate about, that we could see a place that Coralego could fit in to support. And so one significant change, especially this year, is that we've been looking at partnering with other community organizations that have nothing to do with music. Because kind of what we all know about music is it's not just this beautiful experience, but it really has this power to bring 
people together and provide this experience that unites a community. And so this year for our fall concert, we partnered with the Fund for Women, which is a giving circle of the Delaware Community Foundation. Mm -hmm. And we worked with them. We advertised to the women that support them. And then they came in and they had a chance to speak about their work to our audience. And so we brought them and we did some shared, I guess, I can't think of what the word is I'm looking for, but just some shared publicity Mm -hmm. and getting the word out about the great work that we're both doing. Mm -hmm. And then we have a concert coming up now that our community partners, the Delaware Center for Horticulture, which we're really excited about, partly because they do such great work, not only with working on the plant side of development, but also in community development. And they go in and they develop community gardens for Mm -hmm. neighborhoods in Wilmington. And so we're going to be working with them on this concert where they can introduce their work to our audience. They're actually having us back to their facility for a reception after the concert. And so we'll get to bring anyone from our concert over to see them. And then they're also going to have us come out the next time they dedicate or they open a community garden, they're going to have us come out and sing for them. And so it gives us a chance to really dig in to the deeper community outside just the arts organizations around and to really establish that music and art are an integral part of any community that, mm-hmm. and we want to be there and help to make those connections. Now, I'm curious with these new partnerships, uh, I'm hearing that it is having an impact on where you're performing, uh, where you get exposure. Does it have an impact on what it is you're singing, the repertoire? That is a loaded question. Um, yes and no. It does have an impact on the repertoire in the sense that we're very aware that we don't have a captive audience anymore. Mm -hmm. When you perform in a church, you generally have the church membership will be advertised to. You can count on a core group of people coming from there, plus your regular followers. And because we change our space every time, we've performed at Opera Delaware, we performed at the Grand, the Wilmington Drama League, the Music School of Delaware. Now we're going to be at Winter Tour this spring. Because we move around, there isn't that set core audience, and so we have to be very aware of how our programming is going to, our programming has to bring people in. It's not Mm -hmm. necessarily our name. Mm -hmm. And so that's a place where Jeff Dawkins is just phenomenal at scheduling uh, programming concerts. And so we try really hard to pull in some of those classics that people will recognize, also to introduce them to some really new and interesting pieces and one of the places that he is absolutely brilliant is in that audience education component. So even when we do a very obscure work, there's always, he gives the, the concert notes from the podium. And so he can point out to you in this moment when you hear this one thing, this is what the composer was thinking about at that moment that he wrote about, and this is what you're going to hear. And so the audience is able to really engage with the music on a different level. And it's really even for me when I think about how I engage with music, I'm able to actually appreciate and enjoy what I'm creating because I know these stories behind it and I know about the composers. And it's shocking. He tells us so many stories in rehearsal about all sorts of things surrounding the music and the time frames. And yet there's always at the concert some new piece that he shares and that we're able to almost join in with the audience and learning something new and then bringing that to the music. Mm-hmm. And just one that I can really think of that he pointed out once is we sang a piece by, you say, Barnwell called Wanting Memories. And there's this one moment that says, um, you know, that I am you and you are me and we are one. And if you didn't recognize it, okay, that's a great sentiment. 
but the music itself actually at that moment when you say and we are one all the parts come together onto the same note mm -hmm. and then they split off again and if you didn't know to listen for that you might not realize that that was what gave you the chills you would mm -hmm. hear it you got chills but you didn't know why mm -hmm. and so there's that element of bringing those educational aspects in and so that's how it's really affected the programming just because we want to make sure that when we do something more obscure that the audience understands it and can engage with it and we also do want to mix in some of that mm -hmm. variety of things that people can recognize and will get stuck in your head mm -hmm. and then we also have moving forward next year actually we're going to be forming a small ensemble within the group that's going to be much more focused on presenting music that various organizations want to hear so we're actively pursuing some outreach and paid performance opportunities i know this year we were invited to sing for a gala and they would like science themed songs hmm. okay and so we're going to put our absolute best coral negro quality and excellence into these science themed pieces mm -hmm. that we're going mm -hmm. to learn mm -hmm. and i know i've been speaking to a couple of organizations in dover about coming down next year and depending on their concert themes and their needs we're going to tailor what that smaller outreach ensemble learns in order to meet those needs. Interesting. So we're able Interesting. to broaden our focus that way. Well, I, there's much more to pursue, but let me first remind our listeners that you are tuned in to Delaware State of the Arts here on News Radio 1450 WILM and 1410 WDOV. Our guest in the studio today is Becky Hamilton, the president of the board of Coro Allegro. Becky, before I forget, uh, let's uh, let our listeners know how they can find out more information about you. I know if you do the wrong suffix on the website, you end up in Boston rather than uh, Wilmington. That's right, because there is a <clears throat> Coralegro in Boston as well. So our website is www.coroallegro, C-O-R-O-A-L-L-E-G-R-O.com. So we are coroallegro.com. And you can see on there our upcoming concert. You can see all sorts of information. We actually keep a blog that's fairly interesting with notes from composers we've worked with. And you can also, um, I was going to say, you can also call if that's easier for you. Except I lost the page with my phone number. There it is. There's also a phone number if you ever would like information on the group. It goes straight to a voicemail, but then we get back to you within the next day or so. And it's 302 314 5374. Now, getting to the micro level for a minute, we, we were talking off air about your moving to, to northern Delaware and becoming involved in Coral Allegro. What attracted you to Coral Allegro as the choral group you wanted to sing with? So really, the thing that attracted me to Coral Allegro was Jeff Dawkins' biography and the group description. And so when I found out that I was moving to Delaware, it was with only a couple months' notice— and so I went on the Delaware Division of the Arts website. I found a list of all the choral organizations in Delaware, and I just started clicking through websites and looking to see what stood out to me. And what stood out on Coral Allegro's site was that they have a conductor who is energetic, who performs all over the world, and is conducted in a variety of places. He's actually a guest conductor in South America and Europe rather frequently. And... So I saw that energy that was happening, and I saw this description of this is a group whose focus is on excellence, who does these performances. We have this emphasis on outreach. And so I thought combining that energy with an excellent performance seems like exactly what I'd like to be a part of. 
And so literally, I think it was my second weekend of living in Delaware, I showed up at auditions. Mm. Mm. And I've been involved ever since. I sang the first year, I joined the board in my second year, and then I became the president this past season. Oh, congratulations. What does a rehearsal process look like in preparation for a concert? So the rehearsal process actually starts a few weeks before the concert. We have several tech-savvy board members who actually take all of our music and they load it into rehearsal tracks. Mm -hmm. And so they create tracks that we can listen to and hear just your part on top of all the other parts. We also have some links to YouTube videos that we share so you can listen to final product. And so you have about a month before rehearsal starts to really start listening and getting the music in your ear. And then usually our first rehearsal or two is just a straight sing through all of the music. Mm -hmm. We pick it up, we sing all of it, and that gives our conductor a chance to hear where the trouble spots might be going to happen. And then once those first two weeks are passed, we really focus on just two or three, maybe four pieces of music at each rehearsal. And we really dig in and they sound really good from that first time that we start digging in because there's a very strong emphasis on the blend and the sound quality mixed in with practice and breathing and how you should be producing the sound. And so we really dig in and perfect each piece as we go. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of those middle five rehearsals or so. And then when you get down to the last two or three, and that's where we start really putting it together, we try to sing all the way through, go back if we have to and troubleshoot. And so that really, once we get to the final concert, which is after we usually shoot for 10 rehearsals, so then when we get to the final concert, all the music is right where it needs to be. Mm-hmm. Is Are most of the pieces you perform uh, performed a cappella? Um, it varies. I'd say it's probably most concerts about a 50-50 split. And so we do a cappella, we do piano. Sometimes we have a chamber ensemble that plays with us. We're planning in the spring to have, not this spring, but next spring we'll be performing with a full orchestra. And so it really varies how we perform. We did a Broadway concert last spring that I think every number was accompanied, and we Mm. had an Mm -hmm. electric guitar and drums playing with us. Okay, okay. Um, We have a few minutes left, so let's talk about your upcoming concert. Yeah, so we are really excited about this one. It is called, the title of the concert is Seek Not Afar for Beauty, and it really centers around this idea that if you look, there's beauty all around you in nature, and it just requires opening up your eyes and your senses and seeing it. And so all the music kind of reflects the ideas of love, nature, peace, harmony. And because we don't perform in churches, we really had a tough time thinking about where we would perform. We originally thought that maybe an outdoor space would be really nice, except that we can't control the weather. And how do you project Mm -hmm. an acapella choir outside in a park? I believe at one point we talked about building a barge and singing on a river to an audience (laughs) on the shore. So we've really played with all the options. And um, so we settled on Winterthur because it's that absolutely perfect blend of a very nice venue. And then people can also, we are really selling this as an entire experience. You can come, you can experience the gardens during the daytime. And our concert is actually going to be right at five o'clock, which is as the gardens close. Mm -hmm. And so you have that opportunity to go out, experience the gardens, tour, and then come in and continue experiencing nature through another of your senses and listening to the music. And then, as I was saying, we've partnered with the Delaware Center for Horticulture on this. And so then you can go from the Winterthur Gardens to a concert 
and then we'll be having the reception back in Trolley Square, which is only about 10 minutes away. And that's going to be happening right at sunset. I looked it up. Sunset is at 731 that day. Mm -hmm. And so just as you get back, you can get a drink and sit down and enjoy another aspect of nature Mm -hmm. from from their gardens. And so we're really excited about that full experience that we're providing for this concert. And the date of the event and how people can get information on tickets? That would have been helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, It's going to be on April 6th. And you can get tickets at our website, coroallegro.com. You can also buy them at the door, but if you buy them online in advance, they're $18. At the door, they are $20. And we have student tickets, and we say from ages 8 and up, those are $10. And ages 7 and under are free, and really that was just self-serving of me because I have a child who's almost (laughs) 7, and I figured, you know what? I think we should set it at 7 and under so she and her friends can come. So, so that's uh, 5 p.m. on April 6th at the Copeland Lecture Hall at Winterthur. But as you say, you go to Winterthur earlier in the day and you can spend time on the grounds and, and then end the day with the, the concert, uh, followed by a reception in Trolley Square. Uh, a wonderful opportunity. Uh, and the website, uh, www.coroallegro.com, and that's C-O-R-O-A-L-L-E-G-R-O. Dot com. That's right. Right? Good. Got that. Uh, we, we've got just a couple of uh, 45 seconds left. Any final comments about Coro Allegro and what it contributes to the community? Absolutely. Coro Allegro, I think our goal is to be that integral part of the community and to really reach out and demonstrate that music and the arts can bring people together. And that's something that we want to be very focused on and that we're being very intentional about moving forward and how those community partnerships can work. And we would love to expand that to even more organizations. Great. Well, Becky Hamilton from Coro Allegro, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me.